fucking hell, Conrad? Yeah, that's that's the only appropriate response, I think, uh, to coming out of Blubberella. We watched a film called Blubberella, Conrad. That is a film that exists. It has a name. Blubberella. 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 It was... Let me let me just reiterate what we're dealing with here for the for the listeners. Blubberella is a film directed by Uwe Boll, which is a shot-for-shot parody of Blood Rain the Third Reich, also directed by Uwe Boll, starring many of the same actors, including Clint Howard, who should know better. Uwe Boll should have known better. And that's Uwe Boll. He directed House of the Fucking Dead. And... He should have known better than this. That's how bad Blubberella is. What do you think is worse in this film? The homophobia or the racism? Or the fat jokes? Or the star wipe? It's the racism. Yeah? Yeah, no, it's 100% the racism. And if for no other reason than um, a lot of the writing in this is Lindsay Hollister and Willem Belly doing the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play Blubberella and Vag, respectively. And I have learned so much through the experience of watching this movie and reflecting upon it and, like, wanting to know more. Because this isn't like, you know, you're driving down a highway and you see a train wreck and as you go by you slow down a little bit and think hmm, I wonder what happened there mm-hmm. no I had to get out <laughs> <laughs> draw chalk outlines around the bodies I yeah I had I had to know more and blessedly there is an accounting so shortly before the movie came out Entertainment Weekly, did a feature talking with Lindsay Hollister and others involved in the production about Blubberella, which on the one hand, you want to say why? Yeah. And on the other, I want to thank them deeply for having done this because it, while it doesn't tell you anything you didn't already assume about working with Uva Bowl, having it in print really makes you feel good. There's a paper trial. <laughs> right. There's evidence that could be submitted. Yeah. So I, I before we start actually talking ab- about the plot and all of that, I wanted to take some time to discuss some of the aspects of this article that I found to be very interesting. Okay. First, first and foremost, I feel... I, f- I feel to really appreciate the information you're going to divulge. We need to at least give the listener a sense of just how utterly atrocious this is. Okay. I think, and in fact I have decided, that Blubberella as a film is a hate crime. I've decided it's a hate crime and that Overball in directing this film has done a bad thing. Not just like a bad thing as in he made a bad film. I mean, he's sinned in the biblical sense of the term. Yes. Within the first three minutes, I had been more offended than I have in potentially any other film. I had exactly the same response to the first two, three minutes of this. Like, it found a way to offend my sensibilities as just a human. Yeah. Uh, like, half a dozen times. It was... It's. Astounding. It's the first film I've ever watched 
where if the government classified it as indecent, I'd say I'm 100% on board with that, no doubts in my mind. Yeah. Out of all the films I've seen, this is what I would point out and say, that's actual indecency. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up, Conrad. And it's so relentless to the point where there are moments where I'm thinking to myself, I joke about it being a hate crime, but I think this this isn't trying to be a comedy in this moment. This is actual hate. I think some people involved are trying very hard to make a comedy. Let me just say, I think Brendan Fletcher somehow works his ass off in this film. He's trying, and that doesn't excuse him. He's one of the people in two blackface sequences. Let me just reiterate that. This film decided it didn't need one blackface scene. It needed another entirely separate one. Not the same character, different. No, it's not the same character. No. Yeah. No, two different characters. Different blackfaces. Different racist interpretations. Yes, actually, yes. Two very... One of them parodies Precious. I'm sorry, who's Precious? The film, there's a film, Precious. I'm fairly certain. I don't know, at that point, I was taking footage of it and putting it on it on Instagram for more evidence. Ah, I, I'm not familiar with Precious. Oh, based on the novel by Sapphire. Sapphire is uh, the the um, uh, drag performer who later transitioned. Is that correct? Um, I'm not too sure. Right? I, I only, I'm only tertiary aware of Precious, but the way it was brought up and, and the, the, the nature of Blubberella as a character immediately made me think, are they trying to parody Precious? Oh my God, is that blackface? Oh my God, is that the 50th fat joke within five minutes? Oh my God. So is that gay stereotype character really referred to by that word? Oh my God. Yeah. Why in, why in this film do I get the sense that the Nazis are joked about the least? <sighs> And this is all before we get to Overbowl playing Adolf Hitler. Yeah. In a long, unfunny scene. All the scenes are unfunny, but this one is extra long feeling. You are not wrong about any of these facts. Mm. Now, right. I'm going to help provide you with some context for them. Oh, please. So, Lindsay Hollister is a, an actress. Um, she had a fairly successful career as and fairly well known as a plus size actress and she'd been where she'd had a uh a, a role in get smart mm -hmm. that uh was a kind of a big deal for her in 2008 let me just say obviously as a you know big fat guy myself i like seeing you know larger performers breaking walls and barriers and, and mm -hmm. expectations especially you know i'm a fat fat performer in pro wrestling and there are certain things I want to avoid, certain stereotypes I want to avoid. So I always respect a plus-size performer breaking down certain walls. Right. I then get confused if I see the same performer rebuilding mm -hmm. methodically the fucking wall. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Well, okay. <laughs> so she, she's done a fair bit of, of TV and film work. And in 2007... Brick by fucking brick. She appeared in a little film we've talked about previously called Postal. Oh, yes. Yes. She has a, a very small role in, a, in one of the better scenes, I think, in that movie. 
uh, where he is the main character dude is being is in a job interview. Mm hmm. And there's some really good physical comedy with him trying to sit in a chair that's missing one leg. And it keeps flopping around on him. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And so she reads questions to him. Incidentally, the only scene in Blubberella that made me approach a laugh involved a chair as well. But we'll we'll get to that. Sorry. Uh, but she asks him a series of interview questions. One of the, the last one being, what is the difference between a duck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's a very small part. Um, and she hasn't done a ton since, uh, she's still working. Uh, she was in Pee Wee's Big Holiday, but it was as one of the nine daughters of the farmer. Uh, it, she has like one line. It's kind of a shame because I think she's, I think she's funny. Uh, and I think that she's funny comes across in this Entertainment Weekly article. Yeah. It's one of those things where you watch Blubberelli and you can tell she's a funny performer, even though in this there is no funny. You're, you're like, I could see her being funny in something. There are, yeah. I mean, it's one of those situations in a film that packs in, like, let's say 5,000 terrible the best of circumstance borderline offensive jokes. And then there's like five in it that I'm like, I really like that. That five doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it disappears yeah. in the wash. But um, so in the summer of 2007, and this is from the Entertainment Weekly article, Hollister attended a screening of Postal in LA that was followed by a Q&A with Ball. At the end of the event, Hollister approached the director, quote, I had said maybe three words to Uva Ball in my life, and he's surrounded by people. But he stops and goes, I have an idea for Blood Rain. You'll play Blood Rain. And everybody may go, ha, 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 but you'll kick ass. That, uh, obviously, accent mine. I thought it was Uwe Ball. I thought you, you had him there in, in the studio with you. All I could say was, well, call me, because it was a fantastic idea, making fun of those kinds of movies by putting in a fat girl. So that's her expectation going into this idea. Right. Okay? That that's what they're going to do. Uh-huh. Having seen the film, <laughs> can't say it quite works out that way. Did long. not quite hit the mark there, <sighs> no. Uh, oh, and, and I also like to just, just for, just put a little joy into our lives quickly. Oh, I, I fucking need some. There are a couple of quotes in the article from people who work with Bull, or, you know, part of the Bull pack, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I've, quote, I've said, Uva, spend more time on the material, recalls actor Clint Howard. Certainly, I wish he was a little better filmmaker. I wish I, I, wish I could hit that ball a little straighter. Life's not perfect, but I like Uva. <laughs> That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Quote, Uva's not stupid, says actor Michael Pere, another ball veteran. He's just fucking nuts. Yeah, here's the thing about that, right? It would be better if he was. Yeah. It's worse that he's not stupid, because I don't believe he's stupid. No. But that makes everything he does worse, because he's not oblivious. Yeah. So, couple of, you know, several years pass. Or, no, it's like two or three years pass. And Uva, in that time, makes seven movies. <laughs> <laughs> just for context. <sighs> yeah, just a fun thing to know. Yeah. And... So he comes back to Lindsay and says, hey, I want to do the Blood Rain parody thing. I want you to take my Blood Rain 3 script 
and punch it up with jokes, you know, to do that. And so Hollister asks Ball to cast Willem Belly, who is, uh, I didn't know who Willem Belly was. I didn't do my research on Blood Rain 3 because why the fuck would I? Why would anyone? I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm dedicated to this process, but even I have a limit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't know who Willem Belly is. Uh, Willem Belly is a drag performer who uh, appeared in the twelfth se- or the 2012 season of RuPaul's Drag, Wa- drag Race, um, and is the has the distinction of being the only performer ever to have been disqualified from the show. And that in itself is kind of an interesting story because it sort of reveals the amount of control and secrecy that goes into the development of a reality show like that. Yeah, uh, he was uh, disqualified. Because his husband uh, was told that he was doing the show and came to visit him at the hotel several times. Oh. Yeah. And and it changed, like, procedure and policy at the show. There, uh, it, there are stories of production putting tape on the doors of the performers' hotel rooms so that they can check and see if they've left the room at night. Mm-hmm. Shit like that. Like, woof. I mean, you sign on to do TV. I get it. But woof. That's wild. Um, so she gets Willem Belly to uh, come in on this project. And that kind of explains, I think, to some extent, why that character in Blood Rain 3 is so not good. Because he's playing against his performance ability. Right. Right? That's not his zone. And there's not much to the character for him to even work with anyway. Uh, here you have all of these other people who have worked with Bull many times and they know what the score is. And here these people are coming in, kind, you know, these are the newcomers. And so the pair, uh, this is again from the article, the pair wanted to write zeitgeist parodying pop culture gags, but that conflicted with Bull's desire to keep costs to a minimum. Quote, he'd be like, stick to the script. We had to par- parody every scene in Blood Rain for Blubberella, says Belly. So that explains why it's a shot-for-shot parody. Right. Laziness and cheapness. And and the way the, the budget even came to being. He was going to shoot these at the same time for financing reasons. His logic being that if he tries to shoot Blubberella on its own, it costs him $3.5 million to make. But if he shoots it alongside Blood Rain 3, he only increases the production cost of that film by $50,000. And even that seems like too much money for what the product ended up. It looks it looks homemade. It might have been half he might have said half a million. I may be getting that that wrong, but that's just like mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh so going on here, they write enough material over time that finally meets with Ball's approval. And, and here we go. Now this I babes in the woods, Jim. <laughs> They're babes in the woods. Quote and assumed, this is from the article quoting, they assumed it would be turned into an actual script by a seasoned writer. Right. They realized their mistake in early 2010. Yeah, I can tell them where they tripped up there. <laughs> when they arrived in Zagreb, Croatia, where Blubberella and Blood Raid 3 were to be shot, mm-hmm. quote, our notes ended up being bound together and sent to everybody with the name of the production company stamped on the front, laughs Hollister. Jesus. I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> to make matters worse, the Blood Rain 3 cast was told only a week before landing in Zagreb 
that Bowl intended to shoot the two movies at once. Fucking hell. Quote, Natasha Moth of Blood Raid 2 and Blood Raid 3 fame. We were very shocked when we found out. <laughs> this is... This is beyond the pile. Right? Oh, but there's more. Oh, I was worried there wouldn't be. <laughs> so they start shooting, and the first day of shooting Blood Raid 3 is not going well. Uh, quote Lindsay Hollister, they have a rough time getting into Blood Rain 3. Then we do the first Blubberella take from the notes we had written. Uva stops us and starts giving us notes on how to improv. The situation proved too much for actor Brendan Fletcher, who had been cast in both films. And who is an actual actor. Yes. So I can imagine any real actor being very upset. Only the best actors had a problem, says Belly. And by that... I mean Brendan Fletcher. <laughs> Uva was like, just go with it. And Brendan was like, I have a career. I was just in the Pacific, produced by Tom Hanks. I don't want to fucking take my shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> considering what he does do in this film. And, and, yes. It makes me dread what he refused. Every night, Hollister, and this is like, this is, just the most spectacular paragraph of this piece, both because it it sort of encapsulates the experience, but at the same time, it's like there's a there's still a sense of humor about it. Gallows humor, I could only imagine. Yeah, right. Oh, it's gallows humor. Yeah. Every night, Hollister and Belly frantically rewrote or rather wrote the script <laughs> in the hope that it would please Ball. Quote. The only direction we got was, that was shit, or not funny, says Hollister. Or he would scream, perfect. Then, she jokes, we knew that we were going to get our passports back at the end of the trip and not be buried beneath the Zagreb soil. It became like Stockholm Syndrome for us. I craved his approval, and I still do. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, so when you say that this is a crime... I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It is a crime against art. It is a crime against artists. It may involve some trafficking. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, The actress got some degree of revenge on Ball when he came to film his Blubberella cameo as Hitler. Quote, Uva could not improv for shit, she recalls. He said random things in German and pointed at a map. I was like, yeah, it's a little harder than you thought, huh? (laughs) She's my new hero. Like, she's a survivor. (laughs) There aren't words. But it it does contextualize a lot of what we had to say. Yeah. I'm so sorry I made us say this. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve forgiveness. I won't accept it. While this, this disaster is ongoing, Lindsay starts hearing... Bowl talking to people about an Auschwitz movie that he's going to make. Oh, no. Uh, about, a, it's like a, a day in the life inside the camp. <sighs> I'm sure it exists. I didn't look. Like, I, I just don't want to believe. There are at least notes. 
And they will be some of the worst things ever committed to paper. I mean, I, 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 does that make me horrible? Like, am I, am I like a denier for denying that, that Uwe Boll's Auschwitz movie exists? I think compared to Uwe Boll, any of our crimes will be slight. <laughs> There's one funny scene in this film. One, one moment that approaches humor in this film. That is when they're arguing in a bar and Brendan Fletcher walks up to Blubberella and without even looking at it, oh yeah, grabs a chair and just weakly flings it as if it's a big dramatic chair fling, but he does it in such a weak way and the noise of the chair is so loud and clattery. That's the only joke in this film. Uh, so she asks one of the other production people. Oh my God, I thought you were done. Oh no. Jesus. But, so they're talking about the Auschwitz movie and she goes, when is he filming that? And they go, next week. And amid all this, this is the, the last uh, paragraph of this here. Amid all this mayhem, Hollister battled to ensure Blubberella would have a, fa- a fat positive message and not just be a collection of gags at the expense of her character. Really? Quote, quote, I really tried to keep the horrible stuff out of it. But when you show up and they've built an entire apartment with a walk-in refrigerator and haunches of meat as large as the grip standing next to it, what do you do? Steal your passport and run. It's the (laughs) only thing I could think of. Yeah. Because something went wrong there mm-hmm. in terms of body positivity. No. Something went very wrong. It, it, it all, I mean, so many things went very wrong here. Uh, and, and I mean, I guess, I guess we should get, get into the yeah. last thing about this e- EW article is that they included a few uh, snippets from reviews of Bull films that they had made paired with responses Bull had made to those reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only going to do Blood Rain here. Uh, but uh, EW said it was ghastly bad, and Bull responded, Blood Rain is a good vampire movie. Blood Rain is better than Underworld. Kate Beckinsale would never show her breasts like Kristana Loken. <sighs> Says it fucking all. Ladies and gentlemen, Uva Bull. We open with some surf music over credits, while I'm, Blubberella... I'm going to eat a slice of pizza from last night while you do this. Keep it on theme with Blubberella. Sure, and sure. And it's many fat jokes. Tasteful. Um, uh, while, while Blubberella's violently swinging swords around, this is not bad. This bit's okay. Really? I mean, I mean, it's all relative. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you came in knowing it was called Blubberella. You, you expect her to, to swing some swords. I mean, we say swing some swords. What they did is they filmed her about... Three times, waving the swords around, then overlaid that footage over itself to try and make it look like she was doing things fast. Yeah. It was... I was cringing within the first two seconds of the film. But compared to what's to come, yes. Yes, it was good. Cut to a tacky apartment in 1940s Germany in... uh, What did they call it? Um, Was it the... The Jewy part of town? Yes. Yeah, was that it? Yes, that is exactly what they call it. Yes. Okay, all right. And if you're listening and you think that's bad, just wait. It's a good start. Uh, Blubberella wakes up in a bed full of baguettes. Yep. She is identified as half human, half vampire, mostly dough. This is all still within a minute. Uh, in voiceover... She makes jokes about uh, the audience possibly being in her splash zone. Yeah, if you're too close to the TV. 
there's uh, she makes a references a stereotype about black men having a particular interest in plus size white women and casually refers to having been raped by a friend while making a breakfast of cold roast chicken and cotton candy. So just to reiterate, this movie is uh, body positive. She then sits at a computer and accepts an online date in the Alps before getting dressed and saying it's time to kill some Nazis. I don't know why she says this. Other than the fact that, other than it's fourth wall breaking, which the film does a lot. (sighs) And bear in mind, this is all shot to look like a YouTube movie in the early days of YouTube. Yeah? Sub homemade garbage. Around the early days of YouTube. I don't even know if YouTube was in HD yet. Yeah. I could believe it if it was, if the movie had a flag on it that said shot for YouTube. Outside a train depot, a Nazi is eating a sandwich while she watches. Uh, This was in the trailer, I guess. Uh, When he refuses to give it to her, she stabs him and takes it. And then the depot is suddenly attacked by resistance fighters and Blubberella. Uh, All of the resistance fighter action scenes are lifted straight. Straight from uh, Blood Rain the Third Reich up to the point, I think, where uh, I think they might have done a second take of him getting them to stop shooting. But everything else is the same. Uh, With just the commandant surviving to hide in a train car, the German sense of humor is mocked by Blubberella, which, under the circumstances... Fair. Then she dodges a bullet from a Nazi behind her, disarming said Nazi with wooden spoons that she has in her coat, and then forces the shot commandant to drink milk from her breast. Yeah. Squeezes his face up to her boobs. Mm -hmm. And then, then, yeah, just just fills him up with milk and it all dribbles out of his mouth and he falls over. Fucking hell, Conrad. Fucking hell. She emerges from the trade car to meet Vag... (sighs) This is the moment where my mouth literally hung open. I mean, I, I I, was already having an unpleasant time. But for the next five minutes after this bit, my jaw was literally... It's not... A, I'm not being colourful here. My jaw literally was wide open because Vag is introduced. Mm-hmm. And when everyone's introduced, they get, you know, some text coming up saying their name and then some jokes in brackets. Quote. Well, quote jokes. I say... I say joke, yeah. Yeah. This wasn't a joke. This was just hate. It because it's Vag, and then in parentheses under his name, it's just that bad word for gays. You know the one. Yeah. Just there. It's just there. And it's it's not the first time it comes up as a word, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And I I was stunned. Like I knew it would be bad. And the moment you see the most stereotypical gay character you could imagine and then have it be a bit worse than you could imagine that was bad enough but then they just straight out say that and i'm like okay all right this isn't just this isn't just bad comedy this this is this is vile yes and here's the thing i don't really get the sense will and belly's acting or at least not acting outside of his normal performance role because i've i've watched some videos uh and i'm not i don't know this is hard for me to judge as the you know an incredibly straight white man i think it's the tone i think that's the problem because you know i anyone who knows me knows how much i favor camp stuff sure i love 
I love camp stuff. I obviously love gay stuff. This is mean. I will say that. But that's it. Yeah, it it's mean. It comes across as 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 cruel, really. And I don't think Willem Belly comes off as mean in other things that I've seen them perform in. Yeah, it's not not mean like this. In the context of all this, it it's the worst. Right. Um, so it doesn't play is the problem. Yeah. Nathaniel sees Blubberella, calls her the Dampier. So we got that in there. Uh, opening train cars, expecting guns, they find refugees instead. And Vag sprays air freshener inside. Cool. Very cool. Uh, after convincing Blubberella to help the refugees escape... Nathaniel and Vag then decide to leave the refugees behind because they are unattractive. Cool. Right, when the um when certain classification boards like the MPAA, the the ESRB, whatever, um do ratings and certificates for entertainment, they often have a list of various offending sequences that provide examples of why they're rating it the way they're rating it. If you told me that your description and summary of this film so far was you just reading the MPAA classification list for this film, I could believe you because a one-to-one description of what happens in this film is a long laundry list of shit that would get something rated or or in this case, you know, something that shouldn't be rated at all. And wasn't. And wasn't, yeah, yeah. So, got that going for it. Cut to walking through the forest on a narrow path one by one very slowly, while they talk about God knows what, and Vag makes catty comments. Okay, visual gag. I see what's being attempted here. I don't know if, if, if it's funny, the, the, the you know, narrow path that is basically her wit and everyone's slowly trudging, but I don't think it's... I see what they were attempting, but it's just bad. Which makes it one of the better scenes, in that you can actually at least see what they were trying to do. Right. Yeah. Except... There is a dude in a fish costume. About four people back. There's no explanation. There's no context. There are rumors on the internet. It's been said that Uva Bull just wanted that costume. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote it into the budget for this. Yeah. So he could have that costume. It sounds... It sounds... Occam's Razor would suggest that he just woke up one morning and thought, guy in a fish costume's funny. That's way more believable than the... Other thing, well, okay, maybe not way more believable. Oh, God, is this a Troy McClure thing? At this point in time in this person's career, I I could, I mean, I, maybe, under the rights, maybe, but it's said that Matthew Lillard is under that fish costume. It's on IMDb. Anybody could have written that. <laughs> I'm going to believe it now. Doesn't it sound plausible? After Knowing that Blubberella exists and having seen it, I now believe anything is possible. Well, and, and they have, you know, a history. They were in the name, they did in the name of the king. They did, they did. So. And knowing Uva Ball, it's reasonable to suspect that as well as filming Blubberella and Blood Rain at the same time, he was doing in the name of the king. Far Cry, House of the Dead, and every other film. <laughs> uh, so the 
the fish costume is that that is one of a few very few absurdist notes that are in this that like, at least distract me from how horrible everything else is. Yeah. Back at the train depot, we get uh, a silly scene of the lieutenant ordering a Nazi to help him move the commandant out of the train uh, and then to help get him up from the gap between the tracks and the platform that he's stuck in. This is kind of a classic bit. This is not offensive, particularly, other than the fact, you know, that Nazis exist, then that alone is offensive. But but it is a it's a brief respite from what is otherwise a, 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 right. a, an unstoppable assault of nastiness. Right. And and so it's it's like I want to sort of I want to give a tip of the hat to these performers on some level that are like making the best they can to like save us all. Yeah. From the rest of this movie. I mean, that's the best way to describe all of the actors in this film. Yeah. Is they are just trying to make the best of it. Like they they agreed because that's ah, Uva. I think that's what, and I don't think any of them knew really what they were in for on this one. Yeah. But uh, Michael Pere and uh, Stefan Menekis, like both really, you know, I mean, like I, I can blame Menekis for Blood Rain 3 writing all day and long, but he's not a bad comedic straight man performer. He the seeds that where it's him and those two guys interacting are not bad little sketch performances. Uh, but we'll we'll get to some of those. In the meantime, um, at the resistance base, Nathaniel and Blubberella make a bunch of casual gay jokes to no real purpose. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, and then the lieutenant visits the doctor, who is tickling a vampire in his lab, which he believes was a movie critic uh, when it was alive. Yeah. I mean... If you're going to choose one film to have a crack at movie critics... <laughs> Make it the one none of them will ever see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that said, this is the worst case you could make. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, poor Clint Howard. Actually, no, not poor Clint Howard. No, no, certainly not poor Clint Howard. Although his delivery, in, his delivery on I Can Make Hitler Immortal in this film is so much better than his delivery on it, Blood Ray the Third Reich. Vastly improved. They probably mixed up the takes. Uh, Lieutenant orders him to come with him, so the doctor grabs his golf clubs. Oh, that classic bit. Oh, because they were making a joke about going to Disneyland, because that that is original top-tier comedy writing. Mm-hmm. Joke about going to Disneyland. So you see, because they're in Nazi Germany in the olden times. They're going to Disney. Ah, God, I hate Overbold. He's a bad man. In Blubberella's apartment... She's having a dream of her mother verbally abusing her in blackface. Yep. Over having given birth to a child. Um, so this is Willem Belly doing blackface here. I, I, on the one hand, I'm like, hey, dude, I, what, I really, I don't know, you know, where to go with the drag humor and stuff. But the blackface, the blackface, really doing that. And this thing goes on for a while. It is long. It's very long. Uh, her, her mother hits her with a frying pan and chases her into the bedroom and throws food at her. Yeah. I mean, just in case you needed something else, we can throw in lots of casual child abuse jokes as well. Oh, sure. Just if you want that garnish on top of the rest. You, can, you don't have to take it, but it's there as a side dish. 
<laughs> fucking hell, Conrad. What did we watch? This goes on until Blubberella picks up her swords and stands up for herself, earning her mother's respect. Yep. She makes a fist. Mm-hmm. And then there's a star wipe. Mm-hmm. Just, just the unforgivable cherry on top. Yeah. And, and I know they probably intended it for a joke. Ha-ha, star wipes are funny. But star wipes are funny is an old bad joke. The star wipe to me just feels like taking a piss on you after you've done a dump on someone. You've done a dump on a dog's head and then you've pissed on it. On the dump, you don't even care enough about the dog. Well, that just causes it to run down into its eyes. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, bringing little bits of shit with it because mm-hmm. you do uh, the pee on the poo. Right. You do a pee on the poo and the poo pee goes in the eyes. Now that dog's going to get eye infection. <sighs> Poor sad dog. Why did Uvabol do a dump on a dog's head? Don't know, but I just did not appreciate it. Bad man. At the Nazi base, the doctor warns that the Commandant is a vampire like Dracula, Blade, and Blade 2 and should be destroyed. I think this might be the scene, or or a a one after this, but I did notice in one of the scenes with Clint Howard talking to the Commandant, in the background you see an extra who walks through a door, realises she's a Mr. Q, takes a few steps back, waits about five seconds, and then walks. <laughs> and the question I have is this. Why did she think anyone would care? <laughs> How the fuck is an extra in the background being professional, giving a shit, and had a cue? She seems to be the only person involved in the film that had a cue. It is a little... I th- that's the most surprising part, is that someone had a cue for her. I think she's the only one that had direction. Why? I was so confused. I missed out most of the detail in this scene because I was thinking about that. Why is that extra bothering? Well, upon learning that the fight with the vampire had occurred in daylight, uh, the doctor says, fuck my donkey, and puts his apron back on. Yep. When I tweeted that I was um, watching this for the for the show, that's about one of the only things people had to say in response was fuck my donkey. It is a fair reaction to the circumstances. Yes. Blubberella goes to a bordello where they're playing Ring Around the Pussy. She also says at one point it stinks of pubes in there. She, she sure does. Yeah. Yeah, she sure does. The Again... I want. I just. I have to point out every time they do something that isn't like outrageously offensive. It's not funny, but okay. Yeah, there are many breasts exposed for our pleasure in this scene. We should say that as well. Oh, are there? I actually missed them in the Bordello, Yeah. Wow. Boobs all over the place because it's an Uberball film. Has this done something to my ability to? I think if you watch enough Uberball films, you get desensitized to to, to boobs. <laughs> Oh. And and you get desensitized to boobs. You get desensitized to corn pain, s- pain corn syrup, uh, Uverbol making jokes about being a Nazi or portraying a Nazi. He seems to be a little preoccupied with it. So the doctor and the lieutenant decide to confront the commandant, and the lieutenant is attacked. But the commandant is quickly calmed down. And his rage attributed to either crack and or too much caffeine. Rough. Uh, 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 Blubberella has her good time meat grilling interrupted by screaming from another room where a Nazi is beating up a prostitute. 
Blubberella intervenes, squeezing the man's genitals, saying, I feel a lump. That's okay. I'll take that. I will take that, like, tiny, tiny something out of this. Thank you. Uh, and leading the woman out while she's recommending she pursue exotic dancing and expressing pity that she thinks her GED is a real diploma. So, thanks. Yeah. The bordello is subsequently shut down over the incident. Uh, the doctor and commandant play chess on a World War II-themed chess set, and the doctor moves FDR and makes squeaky noises as he does. Why, at this point, it's just... Yeah... Throw another twig on the fire, on the dumpster fire. I, I'm fine with that one. That one kind of, like, I mean, it, it would, wouldn't it? I guess. <laughs> I'm just defeated by this point. Just, <laughs> okay. Do you want that joke? Have at it. Uh, the commandant expresses <laughs> anger at not having healed from his injuries and moves behind his desk into the sunlight where he realizes he can make shadow puppets. And again, you're worn down by this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, oh, this is a joke that isn't a hate crime. Right, right. And then the doctor and lieutenant flip a coin to decide what to do with the uh, commandant, which winds up landing on being take- on taking him to Hollywood and booking him on Dancing with the Stars. <sighs> do you remember Spaceballs? I do. Yeah. I, do. Yeah. I enjoyed that as a kid. I mean, But these three now have clearly just given up hope mm-hmm. they're broken by their experience with Uber Ball. do you think Uber Ball's ever seen a Mel Brooks film I don't know oh I'll tell you what he watched a supercut of Blazing Saddles oh just to get all the just to get <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a supercut of jokes for the most part <laughs> oh my uh... <laughs> oh that is how you do comedy <laughs> Uh, at the bordello, Blubberella is treated to a massage using the rolling pins, which are then inserted into her lower orifices. She enjoys it. She makes... I don't know if that's... I don't know if I'd go so far as to say she, she enjoys makes it so much as sexual observes that it happens. She's making, like, like intuit noises throughout this whole scene. Well, for the massage, but then as soon as the thing goes up there, she's like, oh, oh. I guess. Okay. Well, I'll I'll save that for later, which is, you know, a foreshadowing of the subsequent scene when she will remove them and use them as weapons to fight Nazis. Chekhov's vaginal rolling pin. It's a classic, <laughs> classic cinematic technique. Uh, I'm crying, Jim. I know. I haven't stopped since I watched this last night. Uh, meanwhile, slut Lana... Well, so at least... Now we get the prostitute um, trader's name in this version of the film. Her name is Slutlana. Yeah, we actually, we, we find out the names of characters from Blood Rain in because I think this is where we find out that uh, Clint Howard's character is called Dr. Mangler, which is, of course, a play on uh, Dr. Mangler, which... Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. carry on. No, no. Uh, she visits the Nazis with promise of information, and the doctor says, I didn't order delivery. That's a joke. I mean, yeah. <sighs> it, 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 compared to previously established standards, yep, yep. I mean, I'm not saying it's good. No, I know, it's I know. It's just 
there. It's there. They wrote one. Yeah. Um, he takes her to the commandant, asking if she plays sexual twister, to which she replies every day. Now, now I, I remember that line, and I do have to ask if if that is a joke. If you just say sexual twister, I don't. I mean, is that is that a joke, or are you just? Tr- I I think I think someone in the process of making this film believed that it was. But if you're asking me if it qualifies as a joke, yeah, no. It's for some reason that line in particular st- st- stuck out to me as bad. It is bad. Do you play sexual twister every day? Yeah, no, it's a terrible exchange of dialogue. Uh, what is, what is that? It's just junk. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's junk. It's a junk line. In the commandant's office, she observes a bloody cot, asks if an abortion had just been performed here, and tells the commandant about the soldier getting his nuts ripped off. Uh, we're just going to keep moving on. Yeah, The commandant yeah, returned. <laughs> I've got nothing to say about that. Uh, acts as though he, he acts as though he's about to feed on her while club music starts playing and Clint Howard does this ridiculous dance behind him. And, 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 and I just want to say it's framed in such a way that he's sort of in the lower corner of the screen. Like he's, it's not even filmed like a funny background event should be filmed. No. Because he's completely off focus. Yeah. It's not even competently filmed in a comedic way. No. By Uwe Boll's standards, it's... In- like, this is one thing I need to keep reiterating throughout here. When I say Uwe Boll should know better, because the immediate response is, well, he shouldn't know better, he's Uwe Boll. But that's what I mean. That this is so bad, even Uwe Boll should know better. And The composition of this scene is, is framed and filmed so badly, even the people who work on Uwe Boll films should have known better. Well, and he has publicly stated that he is disappointed with the way this film came out. And again, just imagine how bad it is that he acknowledges that. Right. I mean, he he has been quoted as saying that he thinks that 45% of it is really funny. And forty-five percent of it is not now. Okay, setting well, aside then that, that, his understanding of statistics, because that, that's not possible. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> uh, but but he has he has said that you know he wanted more time to do this, um, and that was you know and that it, he well that sucks, but you shouldn't have put the fucking thing out. What does he mean? He wanted. He literally didn't. It was his idea to shoot two films at once. Yeah. He literally didn't want more time on it because he's a lazy, cheap hack. He said Blood Raid was a really difficult shoot with a lot of, uh, you know, complicated seeds and it took more longer than they expected. So while it was intended to be like half Blood Rain, half Blubberella, it wound up being 85% Blood Rain and 15% Blubberella. And so Blubberella just didn't get the amount of attention that it was supposed to get to make it this, you know, great true work of satirical comedy. I would love to, I would love to know what 45% of that film he thinks is funny. (laughs) There should be a commentary track. I mean, there shouldn't, but yeah, I would like to know that as well. Uh, Then the commandant comedically... No, not comedically, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Change comedically to unfortunately. (laughs) Yes, he unfortunately slaps... Uh, this woman across the face back and forth in and in, in a manner that suggests it's to be comic. Yes. Uh, until the doctor says literally too much slapstick. It's so comical 
quote-unquote, that they do this joke about three times? I know they do it one more time, but it's it's it was it's in a de- like a deleted scene. There there is there are two moments within the film and one in a deleted scene if I remember correctly. I mean, I'm already trying to like my brain can't process that this film exists. True. True. And, and so portions of it are just being ex- like like the least egregious things are being tucked away so as to make room for the uh, process of therapy that will allow <laughs> me to forget all of it. Uh leaving the bordello Blubberella is ambushed by soldiers. Uh, I think she's on a Segway at this point. Yeah. Um, she fights. Uh, oh, no, not yet. Not yet, because she has to leave the bordello. Uh, she's on her way out. She has to fight off the Nazis with the rolling pins. Oh, she has to pull the rolling pins out of her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and then she rolls out the front on a Segway. And runs into the commandant and the doctor with other soldiers, but distracts them by saying that she sees Hitler behind them. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It, yeah. Top top tier for this movie. Uh, Blubberella comes to a bar where Nathaniel and Vag are hanging out, looking for weapons so she can attack the commandant. In this, this is the scene where I was thinking to myself, holy shit, Brendan Fletch is trying. Yep. Nathaniel insists that the resistance help her. Saying that they're not just dealing with a vampire. Oh, we should point out this scene begins with Brendan Fletcher at the table mm-hmm. making weird facial expressions. And when Blubberella comes in, Vag comes out from under the table wiping his mouth because he was That's he was sucking right. his penis in his mouth hole. And that is the joke. Ha <laughs> ha, funny. Sorry, Kat. Yes. That, no, thank um, you. I actually, I missed This it. is the scene where Brendan Fletcher flings the chair as well, which is the only... The only bit of this film I recognize as comedy. Um, he uh, So they're not just dealing with a vampire, but a vampire with a bad German accent. Uh, which, the delivery of that, like, he is giving something here. He's Man, working his ass off. Yep. And that's, it is not a great joke, but it is something that you could work with on some level. And thank you, Brendan. Uh, this does not forgive you for your later misdeeds, but thank you. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, quite, uh, quote, despite my inability to carry a seed, we need to work together. Okay, Brendan, you're, you're trying to warm my heart here. My cold, dead black heart that has been mercilessly killed by the experience of watching this film that you're in. Uh, they get into each other's faces, uh, but Nathaniel requires a crate to stand on to do it. Visual gag? Yeah. Okay. This is, this is all told the best scene in the film. Yeah, there's this one and another one that I kind of like. Okay. Um, and that's it. Yeah. The the gripping sexual ten- tension in the scene is apparently Blubberella holding his nutsack. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it ends the scene on a weird note. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, that's that's as good as it gets, folks. Um, Uva Bull then interrupts with voiceover to tell us that the next scene is really boring. And he's right. Yeah. Because it's Clint's monologue about change from Blood Raid 3 completely unchanged other than the soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, Uvabol didn't lie. Like, he took a boring scene from another film and put it in this film. You could say a lot about Uvabol. He's not a liar. Yeah. In my opinion, he made this scene worse by acknowledging up front it was boring. I mean, that is just... Oh, yeah. That is just another fuck you from this film to the audience. Yeah. That's a joke for him to laugh at and no one else. 
He's a dick. <laughs> He's a dick. Uh, the Commandant has a weird seed plague with the World War II themed chess set like it's dolls before going down to check on the doctor and then cut to the doctor being seduced to the cage. Also unchanged completely, except for a fart noise when the prostitute vampire dies. So, I mean, that's uh, I, I spent most of this film waiting for the fart jokes. I spent the whole film waiting for Blubberella to fart, not because I wanted to see it, but because I knew it was coming. And at one point, it does happen. It does. In fact, it's the grand finale. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it is the grand finale. The whole film is building up to watching the big girl fart. That's the point of this film in Uberball's mind. Sorry, carry on. No, you, no, you're... I mean, when you're right, you're right. I know we probably shouldn't jump ahead to things that happen in the very final scene of the film, but I don't care. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. There's a knock on Blubberella's door, and it's Hitler. Mm-hmm. Uwe Boll as Der Fuhrer of the Third Reich. And I'm not saying that he's living his dream, but the clues are out there that this might have been a dream scene for him. He immediately begins berating her for her weight and all of the press that she's been getting. Oh, and Brendan Fletcher's here too. Would you like to describe how Brendan Fletcher appears in this scene. Yeah, so... Brent, Brendan Fletcher is wearing a... Um, a, a, a an Africa Corps uh, Nazi uniform. Uh, like a, a Nazi... Uh, Africa Corps officer's Nazi uniform. That's what he's mm-hmm. wearing. He's wearing that. Okay. And, 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 and what, say... Uh, makeup would accompany such a costume... What 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 would the makeup um, on the makeup department on this film? Well, you know, you he's in blackface. <laughs> I can't keep it up. He he's in. It's the second scene of it because the first one wasn't enough, and now Brendan Fletcher, who I have always Brendan. respected as an actor who does his best with a lot of shit films. I mean, Brendan. He's been dragged down by this now. Brendan, like you were right. You had you had the crea- the correct reaction to being into this movie. Yeah. And then you put on the black face anyway and say I got shot 80 times motherfucker in an accent that I will not attempt. No. No. No thank you. Hey, hey Jim, would you like to attempt that accent? No, thank you. Very kind offer, but no. They then play Risk, mm. and Hitler focuses a lot of attention on Africa. And I'd just like to point out that they are more respectful of the basic gameplay and rules <laughs> of Risk than just about anything else in this fucking movie. It's the only bit that was researched. I always roll two dice, again, in an accent that I will not attempt. No. Oh, and by the way, let's just stop referring to the character in this scene as Hitler. Just call him Uwe Ball. He needs to own this. They then, uh, Barbarella and and uh, Hitler talk about online dating, or Uva talk about online dating. Now, you see, there, I still want to, like, put it in the context of Hitler and not Uva for it's fair. one second. Because, because the next bit, where the two of them are sitting across her kitchen table from one another. Mm, this was bad. I, see, I kind of love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I did not. I kind of love it 
because yes, it is, it is bad. It is just, it's fucking terrible. Because what she's doing in this scene is being a friend to Hitler, being the non-judgmental, totally understanding best friend to Adolf Hitler. Yeah. The one who calls him out on his shit, but says, hey, you know, whatever you choose to do, I'm always here for you. You know, these are just some quotes from this bit. It's just going to get lonelier the more people you kill. Ask yourself, who is Adolf? Am I a fun-loving guy who likes to have beers with his friends? Or am I into mass genocide? Like, it is so beyond the pale, ridiculous, that I kind of love it. I, it's, I cannot say I had the same reaction to this scene. It is not, you know, it's not quite Mitchell and Webb are we the baddies. But I think viewed from that lens, it is a supremely weird scene in the middle of this film that I cannot stop thinking about and, 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 and want to say has merit desperately. I don't, I don't know that I can realistically make a case for it. Do you remember Robin Hood Men in Tights? I, I do remember. I enjoyed that as a kid. And then you remembered the, uh, the seed with uh, Mel Brooks? It's not a good film when you actually go and rewatch it. No, it's not. It's really not. It's really not. It's better than this. Oh, well, I mean, you can look at Robin Hood Men in Tights and at least nominally say it's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what happens next? Well, it was all a nightmare. And so she rolls over in bed and makes toast. Cool. I'm glad that, let me just point out that this was that whole nightmare, that inconsequential nightmare that ends with the character just making some toast goes on for so long. It's a very long sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the commandant visits his lieutenant, and they do the scene where the lieutenant is turned, and it's clear that they're having, like, a really fun time shooting this scene. Like, their chemistry and uh, Menekes's performance in the sort of straight man role there that's willing to be a little good. I don't know. I like them in this moment. Uh, back in Blubberella's apartment... We learn that Vag is also swinging by. Uh, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I skipped the part where Blubberella tackles Nathaniel outside her apartment and offers him a reach around. Oh, we, did, we don't want to miss and this. No, no. And then and then the doctor and the commandant make some not good but not beyond tasteless pig-related jokes in reference to the lieutenant who has apparently become a pig for some reason. Like, this is grandpa humor. Mm. Uh, but it's shit like this that makes me feel like the Nazi sequence like or the the Adolf Hitler sequence is a turning point for the film where there actually is there are some things that I think it has beaten me so mercilessly <laughs> that I'm finding humor in some of the later shit okay um yeah we this this is where we really diverged then yeah because I was so beaten down that I I just went comatose. Ugh. At this point, I was Alex Delage with the eyes right, yeah, open, unable to move. I was just staring and weeping. Uh, back in Blubberella's apartment, we learned that Vag is also coming to visit. He was with Nathaniel. There's uh, Love Triangle sniping as uh, he cockblocks them. Uh, she warns them of how the Commandant is going to turn the Nazis into an undead army while Vag feeds his nuts to Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. The lieutenant does a shoulder tapping gag on a resistance guard outside. That's kind of fun. Eh? 
He taps him on the shoulder, and the guy looks, but he's on the other side again. You're, he does it like five times. You're trying yeah. harder with this material than anyone did in the film. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just don't. Just in so much pain. I know, I know. We're we we're, we're making good time on this, though. <laughs> if anything else, we're making good time on getting this summary done. Uh, Blubberella senses that the lieutenant is outside and acts as a dogwood. And Nathaniel asks if Timmy is stuck in the well. Oh yeah, they yeah. What what? Yeah. Oh, why would they? Not good. No, really no. not good. That's a bad one. Uh, and she opens the door to find the lieutenant playing pinball in the next room. Yeah. And, and again, like, thank you for doing that. Th- th- fine. Again, it's it's Barkin Basement Melbrook stuff. That's that's fine, but I need it. I need it right now. <laughs> he's so bad. Uh, he's then brought inside to face an intervention. Um, I, I guess his addiction to killing people. I will say this. This is also a scene where you can. Where it almost approaches comedy, the idea yeah, of th- bringing the Nazi antagonist in and surprising him with an intervention. When he says something like, oh, I think I left my car engine running or something and tries to get out. And they are like, I, I left my sunroof that's open. It, I left my sunroof open and tries to leave. And I'm like, I will say that, again, I didn't laugh, but I can recognize where there's actual right. potential in this bit. He is doing everything he possibly can. Because he, he knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, let's see here. Um, yes. There. Oh, yeah. So the they use... Oh, yes. The, in the intervention, Nathaniel lists all the resistance fighters that the lieutenant killed by number. Oh, yeah. Because those are their character names. Uh, using her body as a map, the lieutenant then tells them the location of the commandant, which is the train depot. And then he gets to have a quote-unquote comical death scene. Um, and, and I feel like, I feel like it's Lindsay just dropping the charade for just a moment to her fellow actor in the middle of the scene to say, yeah, go ahead. You've been waiting all week to do it. Yeah. And yeah, let him have it. He, the, the choice for the character is either he can touch her body again or be killed and then after hemming and hawing twice, he decides that he'd rather be killed. And that is that scene done. Mm-hmm. Um, the heroes return. Heroes. <laughs> return there to are erect no resistance. heroes here. I just, I, the word just found its way. I needed another word to describe. The group. The perpetrators. <laughs> they return to erect resistance base, which enrages Nathaniel. And in the heat of the moment, Blubberella and Vag both tell him that they love him. And then he asks which one loves him more. Mm-hmm. Cool. And in response, Blubberella points out to, to Vag, hey, there's a whole bunch of men around here. So she and Vag go sexually harass a group of soldiers making ammunition. Now, I think that this scene where they are uh, trying to pick among the soldiers which ones they're going to sleep with which is disgusting on many levels. Um, I think that this was shot the same day that Brendan Fletcher stormed out. Because in the Entertainment Weekly piece, uh, Lindsay Hollister says, "Well, so I went to Bull 
And I said, well, we've got these 30 Croatian actors dressed in resistance uniforms. Why don't, you know, Willem and I just do something? Right. So this is this is what they did. Okay, cool. At the train depot, Blubberella does the robot for some guards while Nathaniel impatiently waits for her to sig- her for her signal. And it keeps cutting back to them complaining about how long she's taking, uh, him and Vag. And it ta- I mean, it takes forever. Uh. The scene takes forever. Them, they're just, oh, I kind of like her dancing. Um, just because she has confidence in it. Mm. It's it's good. Um, anyway, she eventually kills these two Nazi guards by slamming their heads repeatedly on crates. <sighs> and then she tries to whistle, which is the signal, but she can't whistle. And that was the signal. Ha ha. Yeah. They move into the train depot which is empty. Um, Vag is dressed as a German girl and is, for reasons, accompanied by a Russian prostitute. Oh, right. Because he was going to get a white Russian for Nathaniel. Cool. It's a trap. Nazi vampires ambush them with finger guns. Weird. Blubberella gives Nathaniel a salami to club a Nazi with. Cool. A spotlight is used to kill the vampires which the Russian prostitute dances in, despite Vadge's warning that, as there are no black people in this movie, as evidenced by the two prior instances of blackface, she is likely to be killed. Yeah. Now, when you've already layered a whole bunch of racism on top of your film, pointing out how there are no no black actors... You don't get to make this joke. You do not at all. Like, (laughs) I want to give them credit for this joke, but I can't. Because of the shit they've already pulled. This could be in something else an effective joke that, you know, points out the horror genre's tendency. Well, I mean, the thing is, that joke's been done so much. Like, of course there, it there's, has. there's no, there's certainly no way of a bowl would have been able to pull that off. No. Not least in a film where you have literally cast only, you know, white actors in the, in the roles. The Doctor and Commandant capture them. And is the Commandant now doing Marlon Brando? Just like, is Michael Perret just doing Marlon Brando now? I was, I was going to ask, because I was, I was watching this late, because I, I was playing The Sinking City all day uh, for work, and then realised, oh shit, I forgot Blubberella, and I didn't want to rush through watching it this morning. So I was up well past the time I normally turn in, and at this point now was weaving in and out of consciousness. And I remember thinking, is he now just Marlon Brando for no reason? And apparently, yes, that has now been confirmed that yes, for no, again, reiterate, for no reason. Well, no, no reason that you can be aware of now, because there is a reason for him to be doing Marlon Brando. And the reason I brought it up here, the synopsis is, this is where I noticed it. Yeah. But it's a, it's foreshadowing. It's fucking foreshadowing. Cut to a prison cell where the commandant taunts Nathaniel. Uh, he says, headline, uh, leader, this is going to be the headline in the newspapers, leader of gay alliance hung. And they put in a rim shot so that you wouldn't possibly miss the joke. Mm-hmm. Because at this point of, in the film, yeah, rim, rim shots, why not? At this fucking point. Elsewhere, the doctor is struggling to lift bl- Blubberella using ropes and pulleys. Because, wait, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's taunting him for that. Mm. Uh, and he's draining her blood and getting milkshake. Classy. She delivers a why so serious because, of course. Yeah, she just says it. 
At this point, they're not even jokes. They're not even references. They're just saying shit to say shit. And then the commandant comes in and feeds on and humps her. Oh, yeah. I forgot that he just got on her and humped her for... Just graphically humps. Yeah, for, again, no apparent reason. Mm-mm, none that I can discern. And then we're off to Berlin. Vaj addresses the remaining resistance people, which includes the fish guy. Still there. Yep. Uh, attempting to rally them because the script says they rescue Blubberella. Cool. Yeah, more more uh, of that great Mel Brooks humor there. They are uh, convinced that uh, to do this by the Russian prostitute takes off her coat and shows her dress. Nathaniel and Blubberella awkwardly chat as they are transported by the Nazis. They begin removing clothes, and then she rubs on him briefly, and he comes. Yeah. Which, okay. This stuck out to me because we focused a lot on them... When we did Blood Rain the Third Reich, we commented on what an awkward sex scene it was in there where they had sex in the the Nazi van on the way to Berlin. And it came out of nowhere and made no sense and was also really creepy in that film. Mm-hmm. I prefer this. To that, yes. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm forced to choose. Yeah, if I had to pick one. Gun to my cat's head, if I had to pick, because if it's me, it's yeah. just kill me at this point, please. This is the bad Nazi wagon sex scene I would watch if I had to watch one of them. <laughs> wow, there's a sentence. Mm-hmm. Put that on the box. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is direct-to-video. They'd never make a box. <sighs> um... And then there's further awkwardness about his performance and future performances and how she definitely almost got there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Cool. She's all right in this bit, at least. Um, Then they cuddle and smoke a cigarette until the resistance disrupts the transport. Vag is waiting for her with a segue, but demands a uh, a ticket. So apparently he's been holding it at the coat check at the resistance base all this time. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad gag. All right. I'll take that. Thank you. We could write this podcast off on our taxes. You're being this charitable. <laughs> I know. I know. I just, I, I want to believe the, maybe I have Stockholm syndrome now. Maybe you do. Maybe. Uh, I, I see where they're trying and I, I, they suffered. If only in a metaphorical sense, Uberball is holding all our passports to ransom. Right. Yes. Um, so upon seeing the Nazis ahead, she instead turns back to the Russian prostitute who's standing with one of those aisle attendant boxes, you know, that, that, you know, they would have these skimpily dressed women walk up and down rows in theaters selling cigarettes and whatnot. Um, and, but uh, it has a, a light machine gun on it. And uh, she offers something big and black. And when, uh, when Blubberella takes it, refers to her as my kind of girl. Uh, Blubberella says, don't you wish you had one this big? As she guns down the Nazis. Penis jokes. Yeah. Uh, finally, she rides off on the Segway, leaving Nathaniel and everyone else behind. Uh, the Commandant takes a vial of Blubberella's blood from the Doctor as, uh, the Doctor is fleeing. And then the Doctor is shot by a resistance sniper who I, the only time she appears in this one, I think, apart from the blooper reel at the end. So, Okay. Uh, Blubberella finds the Commandant, but now he's full Brando because he drank her blood, and so now he is big. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And so he's got, he's got the, the cotton cheeks yeah. like Brando. Yeah. Who's that? And they've got him in a bit of a fat suit. Mm-hmm. 
and he sort of waddles. Yeah. And then. Cool. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, holy it's shit! I hate this film. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, we're at the climax. Yeah, this is. We're almost done. We're almost at the point where Blubberella farts, which means the film is over. Yes, uh, well, he shoots Vag before attacking Blubberella, and they grapple uh, until she knocks him down, uh, sits on his face, and farts. There we go. There it is. The penny's dropped. <sighs> I mean... I mean, there's, there's, there's a little more, but that is, yeah. There is a little more, but that is the... That's the conclusion. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. That's what they... That's what this is all leading to. Yeah. Was that fart joke. Uh, Nathaniel arrives and they're reunited. Vag is fine. He just didn't want to fight. At least the character is consistent. Uh, Nathaniel prematurely ejaculates again. The end. Yeah. Uh, then we get a clip of a truck arriving at a prison camp. It's uh, introduced in voiceover as coming from the sequel, which is Christmas themed. Okay. It opens with blub- uh, the, the truck opens and Blubberella's in braided buns. With a shirtless Nathaniel who has painted abs, that that kind of tickled me. The painted abs were cute. I'll admit, yeah, I'll give it them. Uh, and and Vag behind him, she says "Guten Tag, motherfuckers." And Nathaniel and Blubberella kiss. Then Nathaniel and Vag kiss and probably start fucking. And then the credits have these bloopers, including a cut scene of the commandant beating Magda. Uh, that didn't make the film. They try it over and over again, and it ends with her saying, it isn't working, it's not funny. And that's in the film. They've included that. That's the first the first blooper. It's that acknowledgement. It isn't working. This isn't funny. Uh, there's some cage dancing Blubberella. Where was she? Why couldn't she have been at the end of every scene in this film? Oh, God, right? So would you recut this with that? No, no. No one, yeah. Don't, don't... do anything to this. Don't watch this. Don't look at it. Seal it in concrete don't. and drop it in the North Sea. That's the only thing you should do with this. It, yeah, it doesn't even belong, like, in the place where they took the Ark of the Covenant at the end of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Like, no. I'm all in favour of media preservation. I think archival's very important. If every copy of this was wiped off the face of the planet, I would not care. I literally would not care. But the thing that bugs me so much about this credit sequence is that, like, you know, okay, there's a scene where there's a, a like a sequence of cage dancing Blubberella, which is not bad. Kind of, you know, kind of into it. Uh, visiting her parents' grave. And, okay, so that's got a bunch of tasteless crap in it that I could have done without. But then there's, like, these shots of effect details you know, like uh, a severed hand that's posed in uh, with middle finger up that you would have never seen in the film. But they they worked on it and they wanted, like, documentation that it had been done. So they put it in there. Like, people actually cared and were trying. And this is the result. And I, I, I can't help but feel that everybody involved, except for Uva Ball, who could have stopped all of this. He had that choice. In the end. In the end, he could have brought all of this to a stop. I can't imagine what it must be like to be one of the people who worked hard on this project and saw it come to reality. That's what the fuck. And it's really driven home in this end sequence because there are these just a couple of brief shots of Lindy Hollister, Lindsay Hollister playing with the camera crew. 
like who are trying to center her on camera. She's moving around and she just seems so human and sweet. And this horrible thing has been done to her. I mean, <laughs> they're all victims. I mean, I, I at a couple points in this film, I I I was watching it thinking this this is humiliating. Not just in yeah. a I'd be embarrassed to be in this film. I meant she, this looks like she as a performer is being humiliated. Yes, and she ne- this was at a time in her career where a lot of work was drying up for her. Like, right after she'd been in Postal, she has really what's her biggest role in Get Smart. And then it just dries up for her. And in an interview, she says, like, I had barely worked for a year when I agreed to do Blubberella. A year. And it's not like she was raking in big bucks. No. Like, that's at the point where you you just need to do something to keep your fucking health insurance through the union. Mm -hmm. Right? And so she took this job and tried to make the best of it and and then gets the then then we get this mm-hmm. and uh the the quote from willem belly about watching the movie and it was in the ew pieces it's not good but it's hilarious it's like watching a car accident with clowns at some point you expect it to get funny and this is maybe where you and him would disagree because he ends that quote with, and it does. It doesn't. It objectively does not. They say humour is, you know, subjective above many other things, but scientifically this film is not funny. Yeah. It doesn't get funny. There is a, there is a second half that tries very hard to recover from what is an absolutely irrecoverable start. And it just... No, no, I'm sorry. No. I feel bad for everybody but Uva Vol that was involved. What 45% did he think was funny? I don't know. I just 45 don't know. even for Uva Vol that that is an overestimation of his ability. It seems so delusional. Yeah. I know. Like I said, I could find five things that under other circumstances I could point to and say I think that's funny or at least has some vague merit. This film is hateful. Yeah. This film is just a a vile little piece of poison. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's good for no one. Even as a joke, like like there are many bad films no. I could recommend you watch for a for a goof. Sure. Oh, absolutely. This is not it. You know, I would recommend the fucking House of the Dead over this as as if you want an Uber Bowl film to try and laugh at. Keyword try. At least that's got the to live forever line in it. This is o- only distress lives here, and that's. <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's yeah. There's nothing more to be no. said on this subject. So. So that that is that. That is that. And now I will never think about this film again. Well, you see, Jim, I think you will. Because I'm never gonna let you forget we did this. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> to the day one of us dies. I will. I will never <laughs> stop apologizing. You're. It's very fair. You never letting me forget what I have done is very fair. But it does present us with an interesting opportunity that I think we can leverage for the next episode. Because you and I, you see, we have a we have another personality in film that we have strong feelings about. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. And I'm very curious to see what another Happy Madison movie feels like. When set in contrast to 
immediately following the absolute worst thing Uva Bowl has ever done. Yeah. So I want us to watch Grandma's Boy, the 2006 film about a game tester forced to move in with his grandparents, but still wants to continue his stoner lifestyle. God. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying vengeance is sweet or anything, but uh, but there actually, it, it was a canceled video game was used for all of the um, in-game footage. Oh, okay. Well, that's something. So, yeah, no, they, they drew upon resources. They, this is, they... In as much as a happy Madison film is produced, this was produced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then we'll do that next time. <laughs> I won't even give you a rough estimate on when that next time is. We kind of do these as we can get to them, but, you know. Yeah. Sometime after two weeks. It'll be at least two at weeks. At least two weeks. You can, you can guarantee that. <laughs> I need two weeks to recover from this. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, no, I'm not going to thank you for listening. I'm yeah, just going to apologize again to everyone. If you did watch yeah. this in preparation for this, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm and so there sorry. are a bunch of people I know that yeah. did. I, I deeply apologize. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.